still muted. Uh, Hi, my name is Sean Chiller. That's my <laughs> friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. the Objected Geek, or the Muted One. As, <laughs> the Muted One. Yeah. He said he said I'm still muted as I'm unmuting it, and so it's going to make him sound ridiculous. But really, it's my fault. It's my fault. Uh, that one's on me. Welcome to Avatar: The Last Podcasters. We're on book three, change chapter three, the Earth Queen. And Chris, it's been a couple of weeks because we record in pairs, as everybody knows. So it's been a couple of weeks. How you been? What have you been up to? Uh, you know, I've been great. I just haven't been doing much. Honestly, just working. Uh, you know, uh, reading, reading a couple of different avatars stuff and trying to get back in the, just in my frame of, of avatar. I need to start making videos again. One of these days I will, I promise. Don't know when, but no, I'm doing great. Doing especially great because, you know, friend of the show, you know, maybe she's not a real friend of the show. She's, she's an honorary friend she's of the show. She's our friend. I don't know if we're her friend, <laughs> but she's our friend. That's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, so I just now, this is like instant news. I just got this. Just talk to Janet Varney. This is why he Cora. was laughing when we started. It's because this, <laughs> yeah. it, this happened uh, literally now. So uh, it, it might have been our last episode that we said Janet Varney has the voice of a creative writing English teacher. <laughs> I think so. so. I, I think that was last one. I think my, it was either the last one or the one before that. So, because I like to say a lot of stuff on our Twitter just to get it. Uh, because it's very Avatar focused, <laughs> uh, so I, I tweeted out recently. Um, one of the best things about the Brave and the Elements podcast is hearing Janet Varney's voice. It's very clear, nice, supportive. We come to the conclusion that it's like the voice of a great high school creative writing teacher, which Janet clearly was in another life. <laughs> so that's the you know that's just what I wrote. She wrote back. She liked that. Wrote back. I love this in an alternate universe. I feel this is happening right now. And then in this universe, Dante Bosca is like, what assholes? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what the heck is wrong with my voice? Come on, man. I don't like these Avatar Last Podcasters, guys. First, <laughs> first he's doubting Chris's facts, and we've just started a fake feud with Dante Bosco. Mm-hmm. I know. The, but, well, that's, hey, so, that's like uh, three tweets, mentions from, know, from Janet Varney in your lifetime, Chris. That's a big deal. She's, she's, she's great. She, she really does have the voice of a creative writing teacher. That, you know, it's very supportive. It's very clear. It's very uh, energetic and encouraging. It makes me want to write creatively. Yes. <laughs> Chris, maybe if you listen uh, to enough of the podcast, you will get back into video making. When you, may, may. you listen to more <laughs> yeah. podcasts and you finish your corner toilet fixing, and you'll be ready to make videos. Oh, again. I forgot to take a picture of that. <laughs> I think there's a number of people that are actually pretty interested <laughs> in your corner toilet, so... If you... uh, that's uh, two two recordings from now. I'll I'll take a picture of it. And, when you say two and, recordings uh, from now, I think you should just take the camera with you right now and go to the bath. Don't go to the bathroom. Uh, just li- uh, literally go into the bathroom. I don't, I don't take... know how clean my house is. Just cover and, the camera uh, up until you get there. Uh, uh, okay, let's go. Let's go. We'll take. A, we're going on an adventure here. I appreciate that you're taking this seriously. I'm so excited. We're all gonna look at Chris's corner toilet. I know that bathroom's clean because he's been working on it. Uh, let's see. Where am I? Oh, His crap. kids are probably asleep, so I bet he has to be quiet. So if he suddenly starts whispering, I'll. Uh, I got. I've got his back. Hey, for what it's worth, your ceilings look very clean. Hmm. Certain ceilings. The title of this episode absolutely starting with Chris's corner toilet, Janet Varney, and the Earth Queen. That's the title of this episode. I just got it. 
So this is the the bathroom. Right? Oh, much different. Right here. In here. You see, you see this? You see this corner? Is it? Is it better? Uh, no, no, no. It's very hollow and echoey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then don't don't record boom. podcasts from your corner toilet because that's incredible. <laughs> Now you've uh, corner go, toilet. down just a little farther. Uh, angle angle down a little steeper. Remember, I, I cropped some of you on our corner toilet. Incredible. Yeah. A, f- a feat of plumbing. I don't. I feel like they should do more of those. I don't know why they don't. It seems like the corner uh-huh. angle allows more leg room in a small space. I totally get it. Yeah. So there you go. There you all go. Um, I wish I could pull up the exact person who asked for it. Uh, I forgot his name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgot. Theo? It starts with a J. Theo didn't mention it, yes. Uh, he, well, Theo was just really excited about it. I don't know if he requested it specifically, but he was uh, he was stoked. Um, well, hey, that was uh, that was probably uh, our hey. first home adventure on, on our podcast. It was very <laughs> exciting. I'm trying to think of if a corner toilet would help my bathroom... It would help my bathroom right now in my current situation. I'm going to have to do some research. It's hard to try to find. Um, uh, now I can't even get to Okay, here we go. Let's see here. I think it was in our last video. Are you... Oh, you're looking for comments. I thought you were trying to figure out your camera. Nope. My camera automatically goes off when... Uh... When you're looking through um, <laughs> screen or using the screen or whatever. Yeah. So uh, while you was... while you're doing that, I'm gonna um, I have to tell you the the literal two things that I've been doing in the past two weeks. Oh yes, go ahead. Be- they've both become a problem. Is number one, been playing Skyrim on the Switch, and in two weeks, I think I've played like 50 hours. Uh, now, part of that was because I spent a lot of time on a plane in an airport, so I'm gonna cut myself a little slack. But also, um, I've really missed Skyrim. It's been a lot. It's been like four or five years since I last plugged it in. And I love it, and now it's on the Switch, so I can play more of it more of the time. And then also, I've binge-watched Rick and Morty on... on really? Hulu. Yeah, and I don't love it, but I Joe like Prince. It. I get it. Uh, Joe Prince said, a corner toilet I need to see now. Shout out to Joe Prince. I hope anyway, it was everything... Going. I hope it was everything <laughs> you imagined that it would be. No, that's really it. I just streamed it. You know, I like, I can't think of the creative guy. Now help me out here. Dan Harmon? Yeah, uh, yes. Obviously, creative community. Yeah, obviously big fan of community. Huge fan. Of, I say big fan. Huge fan. It's <laughs> my top two TV shows of all time, I think. And so I finally give it a shot. And, like, I don't love it, but I like it. And I totally see the appeal. It's very uniquely yeah. and cleverly written. So, hey, shout out to Rick and Morty fans, at least the ones who don't pretend that there's like an IQ base level that you have to have to understand the show. Because uh, I guarantee that I don't have that, and I still enjoy it. <laughs> that, yeah, I've tried a couple episodes, and uh, I can get into it. There, I mean, and it might take more, but... No, I... You know, season season one, I think people are, it's it's not their favorite. I think kind of two and three tend to be the most popular, uh, but overall, I think they're all pretty well liked. I don't think it's a like a like a slow yeah. burn to get into. You probably do or don't. There's one episode. <laughs> okay. It's like episode three or four. It's very early on with these me seeks creatures, and that probably doesn't mean anything to you. But if you're all listening out there, Rick and Morty fans, <laughs> that's the one where like 
it didn't click for me and I decided I was going to keep going. Like I was fine with it. Then I saw that Me Seeks episode where they're all trying to take strokes off of Jerry's game and that results into they can't fulfill their purpose so they try to murder him um, because that's the only other way to take all the strokes off of his game. And that's when I was like, I'm going to finish the show. So, yeah. It took a while, but Dan Harmon, still a big fan, even though you yourself, as a human, are a little crazy. <laughs> oh, uh, so this last week, uh, how many Switch games? Oh, yeah. Did anybody, I don't know if anybody guessed, did did did, uh, did Hoop guess? Uh, I don't think I don't know if so, but he, yeah. I have 116 complete inbox physical cartridge switch games. <laughs> That's a lot. And I have a problem also. That's an issue. Um, for what it's worth, I'm a big bargain hunter. I've got alerts set on my phone for a couple bargain sites. Uh, big wish list that I hand out to all my relatives every year when they ask me what I want. I was like, only this. And it's just a list <laughs> of Switch games. And in the past year or so, there's been a lot of them have been on sale. At like the $20 and under mark that I would consider like very good games that have kind of been on my wish list you know you know you can buy you know you can buy games at uh games hq online now at where pardon uh, you know gamers hq your favorite yeah, place yeah yeah okay you can um, buy games online now from there mm-hmm. yeah so they had an online store okay. i think if you sign up you even get a ten dollar credit so yeah. out of topeka people there's a store i like called gamers hq <laughs> And they have an online store now with various video games of various platforms. And I think if you go sign up early, you get a $10 credit off like your first $50 purchase or whatever. So go sign up. I'm not sure if it's national. I mean, it probably is. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it ships, so I don't think they care. <laughs> That's true. It, it'll That's ship, true. yeah. It probably, I don't know about international, but they'll ship. So <laughs> Gamers HQ. I'll, uh, I'll look up the URL just to throw that out there. But yeah, way too many Switch games. And then most of those are even like double packs and <laughs> stuff. Where, you know, mm. the first one's on the cartridge, but then they'll include the second one as a download and things like that. I'm going to say that there's like 40 or 50 of those in there. I'm a big fan of that type. So, yeah. I, nobody guessed. That's fine. I'll just high five to anybody who cared. <laughs> I cared. Thanks, man. I'm going <laughs> to, just for that, I'm going to buy you Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. <laughs> like a seat of the Duelist. And then you're going to play with me mm-hmm. and it's going to be fun. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, real quick, I got a couple Avatar things to talk about. That's uh, So, recently, this book came out. It is the Suki Alone little comic book. Uh, my quick review of it is that it's okay. <laughs> like, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad that Avatar Studios is coming around because Avatar Comics is honestly getting a little stale. And, and these last ones, like, they had the Katara and the Pirate Adventure... Toss metal bending academy in this one. They're all like very fillerish, and they they're just okay. Like it doesn't even I feel like uh, it really explore the characters. And there's something that happens in this book. Spoiler alert! Sort of spoiler alert for this book. Really, you can't spoil this book. This takes place while she's in Boiling Rock, and, you, and so you know nothing that major happens. Um, but at the end of this book, spoiler alert! Which I know you don't care about spoiler alerts. Avatar Kyoshi talks to her which racks my brain so i'm like this this ability has never been shown before that like it 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 just calls into question cannot canonically what the avatar is what the avatar spirit is what their spirits are 
and it's suggesting that the avatar spirit can sort of disembody from the avatar like the past life yeah like the only the, the only thing close we've seen to this is roku talking to jong jong but angles like right there he was still like present it was just <laughs> yeah a different manifestation of ang kind of yeah, and, and John John was seeing, and Aang didn't even really, like, realize it. But I'm fine with that, because I'm like, oh, well, Aang is still there, like, spiritually. But at this point, Aang is, like, miles away from <laughs> from uh, Suki. And so I'm just like, how would Kyoshi be able to... How would her spirit be able to talk to somebody else? I It's just... It's, a... like, I, I almost just don't even buy that it's canon, even though it's from people who, like, work with Mike and Brian, but... Mike and Brian probably not didn't. much involvement in the comics at this point. Yeah, and it's and it's innocent enough that I that's probably not a big deal. But it's just, just an opinion. But I don't care for that, uh, especially <laughs> because they don't like now going forward with Korra. They don't really have to like answer to it, right? It's not like they ever. I don't no. know. I don't. I don't care for that at all. And even Zhang Zhang, you could make the case like, well, Zhang Zhang is a pretty spiritual, spiritually yeah. connected guy. Like, could have been his own inner workings manufacturing some of that. We don't know. Maybe Katara. Katara yeah. was hallucinating, and that was what happened. Boom. Hallucination. Uh, another thing real quick is that I got some new pops. Um, I got a, let's see here. What do we got here? Uh, we got a Ty Lee pop. I really like this. It's very... Tylee-ish. She's adorable. You know, she, yeah, she's stretching. She has a very long braid. Actually, this is a really nice braid. I'm just not noticing this Especially really good for pops. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, she's oops, precious. Tylee. Uh, and then we have Admiral Zhao with the moon spirit captured. He looks fine. You know, it's. I mean, he looks like a little jackass. Which... <laughs> yeah. It's a and then, fish uh, in a bag. That's a rude way to hold a fish. I know, right? And then a uh, Fire Lord Oza. I like it. Which ring I think of fire, I, yeah. I really I really like this one. Like the Ring of Fire thing. He's like kneeling. It's very ominous. Oh, and I love this crown. I think this one's done really well. And, um Yeah. And this is the most recent set that just came out. Yes. Ooh. Jeez. What is up with Vike? They they should have marked the bottom of this, like Oh yeah, it says 2021 on. Viacom International Funko LLC Funko.com. Like, I've never seen a Funko with so much worded Stuff. on it. It usually says nothing on them. Apparently, you know, I guess that's a lie. Have they just now started doing this? Got to consult huh. their ones no. for sample size. I guess they've always been doing it. At least since 2018. How dare you not carefully observe the Jeez. underside of your Funko Pops? I guess they've been doing this forever. Never mind then, you know. I shouldn't complain. Yeah, been... Ozai had a bigger platform to ride on, though. They had more room there. Yeah, it was it was pretty huge. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> See, where's my oldest pop? I wonder to say on that. Well, My uh, Batman pop is the oldest oh, one. You know your first pop? Oh, yeah. Um, Melora. I don't know if you know Melora from, yep. from a... Yeah, she got me for me on a Secret Santa. It was just a random, this yeah. one right here, just a random gift. I was like, oh, I like that. That's super. Appropriate. And then, and then that, uh, it, uh, it, it took off from there. Yeah. So they even put on this one. You know, uh, this the... was in 2010. Holy crap! That's pretty exciting, Chris. You learned something new today. I know. Right? 
Malora worked at my wife's company before my wife did, like the company my work's at now, and before yeah. Malora worked at Payless. Wait, I might be doing that. No, I'm thinking of the wrong person, but I know who Malora okay. is still. All right. And, you know, just for, I don't know why I'm bringing this up other than that Chris and I are, are analysts by trade. We had like an entire conversation about the future of Funko one day. I, Chris, I also remember my first Funko Pop because I own two of them. And one is a Harry Potter Funko Pop from our friend Roberto that I got in, you know, maybe 2015, something like that. I don't know if it was new in 2015. It's just when I got it. And then over there, I've got a Zuko from you. I don't know where, I actually don't know where Harry Potter's at, but I know where Zuko's at because okay. he, he's a bookend for the two uh, Kiyoshi books. Holds nice. them up very nicely. That's my Funko Pop. Also, I found the website. It's literally GamersHQ.com, and they'll ship anywhere. <laughs> and it looks like you can still grab some free credit for your first sign-up, like 10 bucks a credit off a $50 purchase or something like that. Mm. GamersHQ.com. Good people there. Yeah. A lot of small businesses. Maybe they should sponsor us. They, <laughs> you know, they haven't... Uh, they've never like explicitly sponsored me, but every time I put on any kind of charity thing... They just come out of the woodwork yeah, with all sorts of weird stuff. True, They're like, here's true. a gift certificate. Oh, here's yeah. some t-shirts. Here's some, like... The I got the last gift certificate. The last set of prize polls was, like, the most appropriate, like, that it could have possibly been in terms of who went where and what. It was extremely excellent. And it wasn't rigged because people picked their prizes. I should point that out. <laughs> people picked it. It's not like I was like, mm, Chris needs this. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they always come out of the woodwork, like not sponsoring the show explicitly, but anytime I do anything remotely charitable, uh, they're always major players. Very grateful for that. Other other All merch? Right. Other news? Oh, nope, that oh. is it. Did I interrupt you when you were telling me how your week was to ask you to show us your toilet? Nope. Did you did you explain <laughs> further? <laughs> not my week. Nope, else. that was it. I was on my week. Ah, excellent. Well, in that case, let's go. Let's let's jump in the episode and let's see how I did the PowerPoint a little different this week. I'm gonna see if I know how to touch the buttons. I think I do. I have to do this. Yeah. All right, party. Oh, hey, that's fun. I didn't mean to go that direction though. Ooh. Oh, don't look. Oh God, I started oh, on the wrong geez. side. Oh, I started Holy on the wrong crap. side. Holy I'm so crap. embarrassed. Oh, you can oh, click through. Heck? Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, learning new features today. How about that? Um, it's like we just watched it fast, like rewind the whole thing. Uh, let's go to the episode now. So ready. Okay, so the Earth Queen. They go to Boston Say to find some more Airbenders. Uh, shoot, what happened? In, oh, um, they get there. Kygo's missing, of course, and Mako and Bolin has to go. Find him, and uh, so there's a B plot. The B plot is Mako and Bolin going to go find Kai, and and he gets away from them, and they end up in a lower ring. And um, one of the things we first see when we get to Boston say is just how the class system has really gotten worse since uh, since the you know the Aang gang were there, and uh, and it, yeah, just worse and worse. And so Mako and Bolin. They get trapped all the way in lower ring and they can't get up any higher because they're poor. And <laughs> and I love there's a little which okay. There is there is definitely a uh, plot conveniences going on here. 
some some strong plot conveniences. <laughs> like last thing to say, love that phrase. is is the size of Beijing probably. <laughs> that seems like a fair comparison. Yeah, and and they get lost, and they're at a fruit stand, and they're considering stealing some fruit. Well, no, Bolin is like, "Hey, we should steal this fruit. We should do this scam again." And the guy there is like, "You trying to steal my fruit?" And then Michael's like, "I'm not trying to steal your fruit. Why not? It's good fruit." And then Bolin's like, "So, are we stealing the fruit or not?" And then the guy attacks him, and then it turns out that that's their cousin. The best, the best part of that whole sequence is like he's got him sort of in his arms, and his dad shows up, and it's like these guys were. I now I forgot what he's whatever he says there is like these guys weren't gonna steal our fruit or weren't good enough to steal our fruit or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> and just whatever he pitches to to his dad there before the big reveal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then they find out that uh, so they go and meet their grandma. Which I love this moment a lot. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Finding Fisher, Finding Fish. I've brought it up before uh, because it's a really great movie. Um, Finding Fish is about um, it's a it's a true story. Uh, it's a it's a, an adaption of a book called Finding Fish. Uh, it's about Antoine Fisher. Oh, I'm sorry. The movie is called Antoine Fisher. The book is called Finding Fish. Uh, he wrote it. He was an orphan. That's the chess and, guy. He, no, is it a chess movie so. or is it not a chess movie? No, not well, a chess movie. Well, then it's not the chess guy. Different name. Okay. My bad. I was like, maybe he found, maybe he played chess. <laughs> My bad movie buffs. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> I remember his best, best skill being a cut hair in the book. I don't remember chess that oh. much. But um, anyway, it's about an orphan and just about his life and stuff, things he's gone through. And there's a really great scene in it where he confronts, he was abused by his, his uh, foster mother um, in many different ways. And uh, there's a scene in there that he, he's he's grown up and everything. He's moved out. He's made something of himself. And he goes and confronts her. He's like, you couldn't break me. Like, you thought you could break me. You couldn't break me. Like, I'm still staying. I'm still here. And that scene reminds me. Of, I brought that up before because that scene reminds me of Zuko confronting his father. Like, I, I, I learned everything I did on my own. Like, you were cruel. Like, those two scenes are just always coming to mind when I think about people getting their... Uh, come up and, and going against their oppressor. Another scene that uh, reminds me of the scene with Malcolm Bolin is that at the end of the film, um, he finally finds, like his father, he didn't even know who his father was, um, but then he finally finds out his father died like when, before he was born, but he actually had family, and like he goes and meet them, and... It's like a huge, like they've they've made him like this big feast. He meets all his family. So this scene reminds me of that. It's really adorable scene too when he figured it out. I mean, I guess it's kind of split up, but when they figure it out and brings him inside to meet grandma and just gets yeah. my warm fuzzies all moving. Yeah, and I think this is some, this is the best, I think, character work that Mako went through. But I feel like they really, sh- they really should have leaned in, I think, on, on Mako's character development and focusing on the the parents died aspect of it. Um, and I've said this before, like make him more of the Batman esque, but more balanced uh, character. Mm-hmm. Like make him not more brooding, but more like this, this small, this not small thing. Sorry. This thing that happened in my life is tragic. This tragedy has heavily impacted everything in my life and the way that I am and the way that I act and my missions and goals and everything. And, 
and my um like your number that one the pervasive lifetime influence yes yeah um and this would have been a great cap in to that journey or to that arc that okay he finally found family he's ready to let part of that that pain go and that comes in when he gives the grandma the the red scarf so so i i love it's, this it's already I wish they pretty emotional but yeah that would have hit extra yeah. hard and they leaned into that harder earlier like before yes yeah um no i think that's some that was some really great stuff especially when like she finds out that her her son died and there was some guy and some family issues there which i think is really realistic which i think legend of Korra does often is as they paint realistic depictions of families and how families aren't all just uh you know some sunshine and rainbows but uh so that's the the b plot um they don't oh, they sorry. don't they don't find kai in in this one there's they don't no, no. No, no b plot resolution here nope uh which has an interesting about this season kind of in general there's a lot of episodes that just go together i feel like every two episodes just go together and they could have all been two-part episodes i've been netflix in them too and so when you cut out the intro and stuff in between them i mean there's no like there's almost no distinction when you're mm-hmm. watching as to where it actually cut off like i didn't realize until the episode after the one that we'll review next so it'd be like five like i didn't even realize i was on the next episode till i saw the statue of Toph, and i just kind of hit me i was like wait a minute <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So the first two episodes take place in Republic City. No, no, they don't. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, these two take place, and by the say, the next two takes place in the Metal Clan, and then the first uh, two could yeah, still Shafu. be set apart. They could. They, be. They, I they think would so. Set fine. Yeah. I think so. Um. Yeah. So that's the Mako Bolin storyline of it. And then there's the whole Kai is missing thing, and he's, you know, he's getting into trouble. Well, he's he's living the life of of luxury, the being, lap, being luxury a little scamp. And, yeah, which is a, uh, you know, there's I don't have any story issues with that, especially. I mean, I don't like that Kai's a little douchebag, but. I, I mean, hey, Toph, Sokka, and Aang were like stealing from people, in that yes. episode. They weren't much better. They like, well, just because yeah, they're stealing from the were. Fire Nation. Well, doesn't make it any. Yeah, I mean they were, <laughs> and they probably stole more money. If I had to guess, like they had, they accrued accrued a lot of money. But <laughs> so, but Chris, are you counting inflation? Because then definitely, yeah, definitely. That's true. I don't know what inflation's like in they, the. Uh, they, they set Avatar that money race. aside, and it's been growing, compounding interest year after year. And then I mean, it's just been seventy years. To, they're gonna donate oh, it to you, charity because it was stolen. Well, if they invested into anywhere in Republic City, like just a small startup, you know, when the city was first formed, that city is probably a major. Well, actually, I mean, provided Toph, you get the money out before the vines come, sure. And the comics, Tough actually was like part owner of this. This uh, this company called like Fire Earth Industries, something like that. Top doesn't strike anyway. me as a businesswoman. She's she's a entrepreneur. She's a, <laughs> she's she's everything. She's a she's a BA. She's a teacher. 
She runs a school. She has business. She uh, does work with the police. Then she dumps she it all to go live in a swamp. Okay. That's, that's that's what happens, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's the oh. So then Kai gets uh, caught by the Dai Li, and that's a. Well, sorry, I'm I'm going way to the end of the episode, but this is the part that's of the like, plot. Like B C kind of yeah plot. It's still B plot. Yeah. Um. <laughs> then uh, yeah. So then they yeah, he gets caught by the Dai Li. He's like, you're going to be in the yeah. Welcome to Her Majesty's Army. Oh, because then Michael Bolin were talking to to uh, their family, and they were saying that Earth Airbenders have been going missing. Uh, and then Korra, man, there's a lot of like very none of the plots. I feel like in this episode, I feel like are are outstanding as the a plot. They don't. I mean, they're all good. They're all resolve good. particularly. They don't. Yeah. Well. Um, or they're not gratifying, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a that's why these two episodes go well with each other. Like, yeah, none of the there, there's no three part structure to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we, Cora, at least we so, learn a lot in this episode. Like, not to jump too far ahead and get in the next, but this episode is very like revealing in an interesting yeah. way. It has that going for it. Whereas the next one, I don't don't quite feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so on the Korra plot, Korra's like, oh, I'll go meet with the Earth Queen. And uh, and this reminds me, her meeting Earth Queen, like when she meets Earth Queen, Earth Queen's like, oh, so the Avatar finally graces me with her presence. Like it reminds me of like in Rise of Kyoshi, just how, how much um, good fortune can, not just good fortune, but good relationships and stuff, how much those things were important. And and uh and the way appearances and stuff how much like just politics there was in the avatar who trained the avatar who did the avatar meet who talked to who how was things presented all that like, boring such politics a, garbage yeah exactly uh, but it reminded me of, of that rise of kyoshi and stuff and uh earth queen yeah she's a she's she's uh you know i don't like to curse but she is what she is. She's an, she's a terrible lady. <laughs> um, I, mean, I don't care if you curse, Sean. I just don't. Just, you know, I just don't. She's a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I well, and so last in in Avatar: The Last Airbender, you know, we were kind of making some, I would say, not scathing accusations, but more like like metaphorical comparisons of Fire Nation to the United States. Um, yeah, and I wonder if there's like if there's like a specific cultural inspiration for the Earth Queen, or if it's just like hmm. you know if it's just sort of anti-imperial imperialist in general, and that that would be plenty, plenty to go off of in history. Um, um, but I was just curious she, if they had like a specific inspiration. She, there was a specific inspiration. I just watched commentary. I don't remember who it was. Ah, I wish I could tell you, um, but there was a very specific inspiration on the Earth Queen. Yeah. Not, uh, it it seems like there was like a direct something behind it to 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 build off of, but I see, even if there's not, you're allowed to metaphorically chastise imperialism if you want in your fiction. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so on the other side of the plot, 
<laughs> we have Fire Lord Zuko going to the North oh, Pole. Oh, I even forgot about this part. All right, this is this I, is one of my favorite Avatar moments of, of all time. Uh, that's okay. It's a pretty small part. So he goes to North Pole with Tanarok, Korra's father, and uh, they meet with Eskandesna, the new chief, the co-chiefs of the Northern Water Tribe, and he tells her like, "You have a prisoner in a in the Western Tundra that we have to go um, make sure she's still there." And <laughs> so as they get there, they're going down an elevator, and it's awkward because elevators are inherently awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so Zuko is telling them about it's like uh, she's a combustion bender who can you know make explosives with her mind. Ironic enough, I hired a person with the same skills to kill the Avatar. And like everyone, it's just a little pause. And it's like, well, it didn't work. And then Eska is saying like, don't feel bad. I tried to kill Korra when she ruined my wedding. Things happen. <laughs> and Tonarok seems at this point like. Very frustrated. He's like, just focus. And, or, or whatever. The, this is another part that, like, they didn't know that this prison was there. And I'm still upset that, like, Zaheer and the Red Lotus know where this prison is. Or that, did we decide, did you tell me they could communicate in the spirit world, the four of them? Or is it only Zaheer that can go into the spirit world? Or... So I assume, so only so here of those four can go in the spirit world, but I assume other members of the Red Lotus can go to the spirit world because Iway coming up, he can go into the spirit world. And so I think they probably had at least, you know, six or so people, you know, for communication purposes. I guess. I want to know who the inside man in the White Lotus is who's given away these high, these prison locations. Let's there see, probably is punished. a... Uh, there probably is a person on the inside. What what are you paying him? We'll double it to keep it secret. Come on, man. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then uh, so back to Cora. Cora was doing. No, no, I have the, I have it on on the screen. It just remind me of stuff. Um, Cora had to do a favor for the Earth Queen, so she went to go pick up her tats collections and protect them. She gets in a fight with some very Mad Max free road yeah, gangster type of people. Yeah. yeah. And um. Kind of that was a little good, little good little fighting scene there. I think it's very short, but it's good. Like for yeah. fight, like a whole gang of them versus just her and and Asami, but it's over pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. They, and then yeah, I like how they don't really seem uh, worried. That word, like they did say, like oh maybe we should have brought the people, but when they start to fight, they're just like yeah, we get yeah. this is a little nothing. Not dealing with yeah. the top brass of the Mad Max bandits. Yeah. I have noticed in these episodes, I think Korra is far more restrained than she was in previous seasons because she doesn't use firebending as much. And and there's an interesting thing about firebending that firebenders, I feel like, are so reluctant to bend because fire uh, causes very heavy damage. (laughs) And it's a little bit more... In the world of D&D, it's like... They want it in D and D terms. It'd be like they want to deal blunt damage, not fire damage. Yeah, like a little bit of fire bending can 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 wreak havoc. Like a little bit of earth bending, like just to ward someone off, is nothing. Air bending is like whatever. Like when Mako is chasing Kai and Kai like air bends him in the in the airway in the train, that that doesn't hurt anybody. He just blew him away. But if Mako was like, "Oh, I'm gonna ga- catch you," and fire bends like. You just tried to kill me. 
And he's like, no, 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 I was doing the same thing you did. You know, same force and everything. Just tell no. me. I'm just de-escalating, but with fire. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, Let me run that sentence back in my head. See, I I think that's one of the things I would be an earthbender because some so many like good de-escalation techniques in fight come to mind where like I wouldn't have to fight. I just trap them in a box. Honestly, I'm just what are they gonna do? Earthbend out? Wait, they would earthbend out. Okay, so against other non-earthbenders, <laughs> I think I would be an earthbender. Uh, was there anything else I want to mention about the episode? Um, is the line in this episode where, you know, the bandits are driving away and they're like, you're on the wrong side of this fight avatar. Yes. And yep. like, well, I get the feeling they're right. Just, you know, it's it's not like earth shattering or anything, but thought provoking, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It's also, it's also like we already, already... Know that, we already know the Earth Queen is bad, so it's not a surprise to us, but it's starting to dawn a little more heavily on yeah. Korra. Oh, and there was an interesting thing she mentioned when she met Cora. She was like, um, "You know, I didn't get, to, I didn't meet the last avatar." Or she said something to the sense of like, "I didn't like the last avatar." Like him and Fire Lord Zuko took it upon themselves to take Earth Kingdom territory for themselves. Like she's like, "United Republic is part of the Earth Kingdom," which which is a good way to I think start building up season four. Because you get in your head, like, yeah, United Republic is part of the Earth Kingdom. Yeah, lady, we get it. Um, and then tying in some of those old comic book stories, too, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then episode ends with uh, Kai getting captured. I don't think there's... Uh, let's see. Do they actually get down into the prison yet? White Lotus, no. Or is that next episode when they actually talk to... I think it's next episode to Pali Pali Pali. Pali. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I butcher more names on the show than I get right. Uh, okay. Let's, let's go do some ratings. Yeah. And just one change here is I think the ratings are all going to show up at once. So it's not going to be a very good surprise, but Hey Chris, <laughs> here's your ratings. Oh, first. I know. Uh, really no, took I still would have, but no, I'm fine with this. Why did I have stories? So, uh, I forgot why. Oh, never mind. Audio visual an eight. Uh, I thought the uh, Korra and Asami versus Bikers fight was really great, and then uh, there's a couple of different other little action scenes there I thought was good. So eight. story eight and a half. Then to this over top was the Mako and Bolin stuff. I think there's some really strong character piece done there. Um, really would like to see more of that. And uh, memorable an eight. Oh wait. Uh, nah, okay. Even though that's my, like one of my favorite lines in Avatar, I, I would still get to say because it's a very much a kind of a setup kind of episode. Um, but it's a it's a it's a good it's a great episode. So it comes out to an eight point three out of ten. I was fairly similar, just a smidge lower. Um, Audio visual, outside of that very sh- uh, very short fight scene, and I, you know, there's a couple of cool spots where, like, when Bolin and, and Mako wake up on the ground and they walk into the street and you can kind of see down the street and there's a really cool visual there for a second. Uh, but mm. I don't, not a whole lot out of the ordinary or, or too interesting. A lot of a lot of dialogue, I guess, in this one. But that being said, story, I did eight and a half because I felt like there's a lot of very revealing things. As we mentioned, we moved along like three or three and a half plot lines, which is pretty exciting in pretty exciting directions. So it wasn't like a good self-contained story, but we got a lot of things set in motion. 
memorable. I I wouldn't have remembered that that line was in this episode. I could have just easily you know thought it was in the next one or whatever. And so I honestly I thought about going a little bit lower on memorable, even just because nothing really jumps out. But then I was thinking about Bolin and Mako and their family and the fruit stand line and all that stuff. But whatever, it's it's a fine episode. I, I don't think it's great or anything, but it's, you know, 7.9. Nothing wrong with that. No. Respectable, 8.1. And that is Legend of Korra Book 3, Change Chapter 3, The Earth Queen. It, it is nice just being uh, back in, like, the, the throne room of Ba Sing Se. Right, because the last time we were there, uh, Azula was sitting on the throne. Uh, just kind of interesting, just to see. Like it's the same as that throne room. Like they, nothing changed with it. Like it's exactly the same. Which I mentioned in the commentary. Like they went back, and and some of it was well, somewhat easy because they've already designed a lot of these things, and they can kind of reuse some aspects of it. No shame there. Save a few bucks, get things out faster. I'm down with that. Yeah, HD them up. I don't know how you do that, but HD them up. Right, because original DVDs, SD, original SD, Core HD. Standard, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Core Staff HD. Definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Blu-rays are are beautiful, even compared to the the Avatar Blu-rays. Whereas I think the Avatar, I think mine are still like 4x3 even the DVD or well, let me take that back. They're uh, not four by three, but like all the images and stuff that we use um, from like the Avatar Wiki, those are all four by three for Avatar and sixteen by nine for Korra. So, yep. for whatever that's worth. But man, that was a weird time. You remember that transition? And everybody is like, "Is my TV gonna work?" And we were like, "I know." <laughs> I mean, kinda. <laughs> So many, so much panic among so many upper middle aged people at that time. They're like, we made it through the year two thousand, and now I got to buy a different TV. Yeah. They were so concerned. Um, my favorite thing that happened during that time, or at least like my most memorable, is that like one night on the Letterman show, it was like shortly after they went to. I, I used to have a weird thing for the Letterman show, or just late night TV in general, because I like that kind of comedy. And one night after they went to HD, he's like, listen, I know I can tell you're adapting to it already, but you, you don't remember how, how bad that we had it before because you just didn't know any better. But here, watch this. We're going to go back to SD right now. And so they went back to SD. It was like a fuzzy, <laughs> just a blurry, like, mess of garbage. And they, like, even, like, the audio fuzz and everything. It's like, so you can't even hear it. See how bad it was? And you just don't even know it. And then he went back to HD. He's like, wow, that's incredible. And it was like that is a joke that's only funny right exactly now. (laughs) Remember thinking to myself, that's topical humor. And hey, that's that's what I got for the Earth Queen. You got any final thoughts on Earth Queen? I I don't like her. Just one more comment. I don't like her little helper (laughs) dude. Because uh, oh, you know what's yeah, you know what's interesting is that he (laughs) uh, learned the commentary. He has the same role that Long Fang had. But it's interesting oh, to see the complete... He doesn't have the... I can't think of her name now. Ju- Judy. Judy. He's not Judy? No, he he is Long Fei. Oh. Well, I guess he's better than Long Fei. Yeah. No, I, I think that was, like, that was one that was sort of trying to be funny and it felt a little bit forced, but I know he's a nervous, awkward little fan. I, I do like the line of like... 
and the queen eats first. Well, actually, I eat first because I'm a taster. Well, then, then I eat, then she eats, then you can eat. <laughs> In fact, just don't eat at all. Yeah, just don't eat. Um, nah, nah, no other, no other comments. I, they they really do blend together, and even you know we mentioned them coming in twos. But like I said if you're watching on Netflix, this season is such a like just such a good thorough arc across the whole season. I can I I don't know how long it'll take me to notice it from time to time where I'm picking up where I'm leaving off episode wise. It just rolls together, but in a good way. It's very seamless, and it needs to just be watched together. What is this season? Is this thirteen episodes or twelve? Uh, I believe it is thirteen. 13 times 22. So what is that? 260. So it's about 200, you know, 80. It's it's less than 290 minutes. So it's like five, less than five hours. So just sit down on a weekend and just binge this whole season in less than five hours. Yes, 13 eps. 13 eps, 22, 23 minutes pop. Just sit down. Get your favorite beverage of choice and just watch this whole season for five hours. This one is best think, enjoyed in an arc, in a singular. Yeah, this season probably made the best movie of any of the seasons because it's fairly. Um, I think I think you could cut out a couple of things and kind of go. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, these you could two put would it be in two hours and for like maybe these two would be prime culprits for at least getting some trimming. And really just getting out of the missing airbender plot. Yeah, I think you could fit the story in in there. If you made it to a movie, I don't even think you need the Korra tax help storyline quite as much. You just Kai get kidnapped and then be like, nope, no airbenders here, sorry. And then they go, we can't go yet, we gotta look for Kai. Boom. One episode down. But, uh, yeah, this one of the first one. Season 1 of Korra would both make really good movies, I think. Season, yeah, season one of Korra would do uh, good movies. Yeah, season awesome. two is kind of... Uh, you just have to do some rewriting with season two. Season four is a little more... I don't know. I've, actually, I think a lot of season of Korra could... I mean, a lot more just, easily they have fit the benefit into, of standing alone as opposed to... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like, Av- like Avatar, no, I need... You need, I think, at least five movies if you're going to do movies. This one, uh, I would say this one or season one, maybe. I I don't know. I think it'd be really hard to enjoy season four as a movie without the context of all the other seasons of knowledge and previous yeah. core experience and build up. But this, I feel like you'd turn this into a movie just by itself and people could go in and oh, enjoy it with, yeah. with no prior oh. experience. Maybe. I went with the assumption that these were like part of a, like a, part of a quadrilogy. Well, most people still would, but yeah. yeah. Just, they make a trilogy out of four seasons, and they just skip season two. <laughs> no, Sean, can't skip season two. Makes me think of that, what, what? the very last episode of Community where uh, Ken Jong like farts when they say season four. <laughs> Inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> I think I like season four enough. I don't know, I've, honestly, I haven't rewatched it all that much. It's, I need to rewatch. I mean, it's not as good, but it's fine. I have but, no, yeah. I have no issues with it. I have no more yeah. issues with it than I do with like five or six, honestly. So, nope, one, two, or three. That's that's where that's where I live. Community seasons one, two, three. Makes me want to go to community college for exactly three years and try to recreate those experiences. I don't think that's how community college is. I don't it think is they really have dorms and stuff. It really is not. My wife's gonna be very upset when I move into a dorm. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we've we've overstayed our welcome on this episode. Let's get out of here. We're, we're talking about community college and Dan Harmon and stuff. And hey, Chris, thanks for showing us your bathroom. That was very exciting. It looks nice. I have no home repair skills whatsoever, and your bathroom looks like it's coming along great. Yeah. And yeah, so I've got more stuff. I need to work on the fence this weekend. Uh, that it's gonna be too hot. Don't do that this weekend. Do it later during the winter. Yeah. Uh, this has been Avatar: The Last Podcasters. My name's Sean. That's Chris Ward, aka the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter. I'll put lots of contact stuff down in the description, so I have to say it out loud and incorrectly. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week with episode or excuse me, chapter four. I think I beat you. Oh, I forgot to mute myself. Now everybody's going to hear me talking to myself. Oh, no. I swear I'm not talking to myself. All right, I'm going to mute now.